Welcome back to the Everyman Tales. I'm Everyman and thank you so much for tuning in today. Today we're going to hear a story that is meant for bedtime, road trips, adventures, family time, every age, and any mind. Get ready to engage your imagination. Get ready for our next Everyman Tale. His friends had changed his name decades ago. From the time he realized he couldn't find the tree again, Kimo knew if he couldn't find the tree, he would fix it so that no one ever would. His plan had taken years in the making, and as he drove down the coast, his dyed jet black hair flowing in the wind, dressed in black from head to toe, his pale white skin almost anemic, he knew this was the culmination of a plan to eliminate the possibility of anyone finding the tree that had at one time offered him hope, and now he couldn't find it again. No matter how hard he looked, and no matter how tough the search was, he couldn't find the tree again. With a back seat full of pipe bombs that it had taken him months to make, he drove down the coast, 30 miles between every city, and nothing but nice, tender trees to light on fire. He had been lighting and throwing the pipe bombs out of the windows of his old beat-up car for close to 300 miles now. He knew they wouldn't all take, but when his friends had named him Chemo, they did so because they knew there was no therapeutic benefit in his life at all. He had chosen to extinguish the spark of the divine that lived within him, and when he did, he knew that all he wanted to see was the world burn. And the tree that had one time offered him hope, right in the center of the flames. So this was the day he had been waiting for. Town, trees, town, trees, all the while lighting the fire that he hoped would consume, once and for all, the hope that he had been offered. He drove through Silver Sands with the backseat still full of his incendiary devices, and as he climbed the cape, he remembered maybe this was the place he had seen the tree. He lit the match and threw. He lit the match and threw again, from Silver Sands all the way down to the border. All he wanted to do was destroy. His friends had named him Chemo. He had forgotten what his real name was years ago, but he knew what he wanted to do now was similar to the effect of Chemo, but with no therapeutic value at all. Chemo wanted to watch the world burn. Ellie smelled the smoke first. The windows in her house were all up. She didn't know what was on fire, but she knew something was. Rick and Carol were at their favorite restaurant when they smelled it. They looked around. The air conditioning could not have possibly piped in smoke, but they knew for some reason they had to act. Leanne and Mangus were a hundred miles away when they smelled it. There's no possible way the smoke from what Chemo had done could even remotely reach their nostrils. CB was up the river, diving off her bridge into the water. On his way to the water from the bridge in that millisecond, he caught the whiff of smoke. Ben actually thought he heard the match strike, but there's no possible way he could. Almost instantly, he smelled the smoke in his living room. Ernest was asleep in the woods at the bottom of the cape when he smelled it. He immediately stood and saw the plume. And just like they had been drawn to the tree the first time, 
Ellie, Rick and Carol, Mangus and Leanne, Ernest, CB, and Ben were pulled by the same wind towards the tree. From all over the state, they were drawn by the wind, that amazing pulling, almost like a current of water. They smelled the smoke, and they knew they had to get to the tree off the trail. Ernest was, of course, the first one there. He was asleep at the bottom of the cape, so as soon as he saw the plume of smoke, he started the trek up the cape. The next one to arrive was CB. From the river, he had jumped on his dirt bike and crashed through the trees over the trail, even dodging the flames of the fire that Kimo had started surrounding the entire area. Rick and Carol had gotten in their car, leaving their appetizer and not even getting to their dinner, and started down the highway when they saw the smoke. Ellie, sweet Ellie, had gotten on her bicycle and pedaled her way all the way up the cape to get to the tree. She didn't know why she needed to be there. None of them did. Ben, CB, Ernest, Mangus and Leanne, Rick and Carol, Ellie, none of them knew what was exactly happening, but they knew they were being drawn back to the tree. Mangus and Leanne had started their trek from a hundred miles away, and for some reason, they had smelled the smoke before the fire had even started. When they all arrived at the tree, they didn't know what to do. The smoke was surrounding them, but it wasn't surrounding the tree. They had never met each other, never interacted. None of them knew each other from anything, especially Ben, who had no visual recognition of them all. But somehow they all knew why they were there. The fire was coming closer. They knew they had to get to the tree. They didn't know why. They all started down the trail together and found the hedge drawn back wide open. And they felt the tingling. They felt the special wind. They knew something was happening. But like all the times before when they had interacted with the tree, they didn't know what. Kimo was hundreds of miles away by this time, laughing at the fact that he knew he had finally destroyed the source of his previous hope that he felt like he would never find again. Ben, with the least sight and the most vision, made his way to the base of the tree and touched it. He grabbed a limb and pulled himself up. He did not know why. Everyone knew they needed to be in the tree. Ben climbed up. CB right behind him, making sure that every hand placement, every foot placement was right where it needed to be so there would be no slipping or falling. Ellie pedaled up on her bike, jumped off, and ran to the tree. Rick and Carol held hands as they started around the edge to climb the tree from the other side, which they both did. And before they knew it, Ben, CB, Ellie, Rick, and Carol were over halfway up the tree. Mangus and Leanne arrived at that time, and they too were pulled and drawn to the tree, climbing up it at breakneck speed. Ernest, huffing and puffing, topped the crest of the cape. The smoke was so thick they could barely see, and Ernest knew he was being drawn into the tree as well. He made it to the trunk and started his way up the tree, off the trail. What none of them realized as they began to climb the tree is that as their foot left the ground and they were totally supported by the weight of the tree, the outside edge of the tree began to turn white. The tips 
of the tree turned from the dark, rich green to white, and everything beyond the scope of the limbs of the tree became totally translucent. They couldn't see past the edge of the tree limbs at all. Ben, of all people, was the first one to sense something. He said, I can't hear anything. Everyone looked around. They could not see anything. Everyone was all the way off the ground in the tree, and all they saw was the tree and each other. They took a momentary pause. CB said, I can't smell any smoke. Ellie looked and said, I don't see any fire. Rick and Carol looked around. Mangus and Leanne, all of them realized they were totally enclosed in the tree. It was then that they also began to feel the earth shake. You're listening to part one of the epic two-part conclusion of The Tree Off the Trail. The tree has finally drawn all of its members into it. What could possibly happen next? You're listening to The Everyman Tales. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't forget to tune in to the second part of our epic conclusion of the Tree Off the Trail series. Be sure to like and follow me on whatever platform you're listening to me on. And don't forget, as you listen, to engage your imagination. Thanks for listening to The Everyman Tales.